Welcome to PostBurnout.com interviews. My name is Aaron Kavanagh and I'm the website's founder and editor-in-chief. PostBurnout.com is a culture website dedicated to venerating burnt-out artists the world over. Our interviews are mainly recorded to be transcribed, but every now and again we release the audio in a series we call PostBurnout.com interviews. If you enjoy what we do, be sure to subscribe. In this edition of PostBurnout.com interviews, we speak with Ollie, Dan and Harry from the Bristol rock trio Crooked Tongue in the first half and with Mario Loveland of the New Jersey alt-pop act Best X in the second. Crooked Tongue discuss their latest EP, Death Proof, how the music had changed on this release compared to their others. Forming in Bristol despite the fact that none of the members come from there, the cinematic influence on their music, covering Jay-Z's 99 problems for a college assignment, accidentally topping the Dutch charts, covering Sparks for an upcoming tribute album, playing Estonia for the first time, and more. Mariel discusses Bess X's new debut album with a smile, her former band Candy Hearts, how being a solo artist compares to being in a band, how songwriting has not changed from her pop-punk band to her electro-influenced solo work, being on iodine slash pop records, and more. Hey, are Hello. You? Hi, How there we go. Hang on, I have to put my camera on. I know we've just been having the same issue. <laughs> I, I, I had to squat. You can like scroll over. I didn't realize you could do that on a phone. You could like you scroll the bar at the bottom, Harry. I don't know if you can see it. Hey. 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 Yeah, so the first thing I, I wanted to talk about was uh, actually your formation. My understanding is that um, you guys met at BIM in Bristol. Um, yeah, I was wondering what kind of brought each of you to, uh, to Bristol, because I know uh, you're not from, neither of you are from there. So I was wondering kind of why uh, why Bristol? Um, we were talking about this the other day, weren't we? How, why, I mean, how around this conversation, why we decided on, because there's loads of BIMs all over the UK, why we decided on Bristol. Mm-hmm. Um I think for me, yeah, it just seemed seemed like a cool place to go to. It's different to Birmingham, where I'm from. So it was like, how different could it be? You know, try and see how different it is, really, the city. Um, A bit more liberal than, uh, say, London, isn't it? Liberal than London. Yeah, I guess. Um, I think it's just like, in terms of up and coming music, it seemed like a good place to be. So like, I think that was the main thing, really. Yeah, uh, sorry, just to confirm, uh, Harry, you're from Liverpool, and Dan, you're from Plymouth. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah, yeah. I, I moved to Bristol. Yeah, I moved to Bristol because it's the closest decent city to Plymouth. Because there's not much <laughs> going on in Plymouth. Um. Yeah, and then like when you guys kind of moved there, I guess like um. Um, what, what, how did you kind of find the music scene there as people who had like I guess or did you have any connection prior to going there or was it just like a completely new city for all of you uh, it was just completely completely like yeah thrust into the into the wild really so but you know I mean I think that's a good way to go if, especially if you're starting out in a new place it's good to not know anyone there I think because it, it gives you a chance to like learn as much as you can about the place and people and meet people and that um that's what I think anyway. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, you got to like force yourself to uh, socialise and, you know, connect with people to do with your course and all that. Oh, is that all you've got to do? Yeah. Force yourself yeah, to socialise. Yeah. I had to anyway, yeah. Yeah. And for yourself then? I'll get behind that. I mean, I mean 
I wasn't much at one in Plymouth. I'm just bashing Plymouth. Um, so uh, I don't know. It's just I, I uh, in my first year lived just off Stokes Cross, so it was um, interesting to walk out my door and see a bunch of weird and new things going off. <laughs> Some of it was music, and that was quite exciting. That's yeah. an understatement, but yeah, I agree with that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And then, um, how did you guys kind of find each other then? Because I was lo- I was looking at uh, another interview you guys did, and like, um, the kind of reference points you had in terms of the music was kind of like very varied. It was like Arctic Monkeys, The Killers, Stereophonics, John Mayer, Lincoln Park, Queens of Stone Age, Squeeze, Elvis, Rod Stewart. It's kind of like very versatile. Uh, I was wondering how you guys kind of found each other then. Um. Well, me and Dan. Uh, I think we met first on like a Freshers' Week. Um. Yeah, like through a bunch of mutual friends, really, but we ended up living together in second year. So I think at, at that point, we were starting to make stuff and, you know, hang out and be like, oh, let's, you know, do a band thing. And then we met Harry via another guy we know called Adam, who was playing guitar for us at the time. Because um, when we first started, like Dan was playing bass and I was playing guitar. So it was quite, it's quite weird now how different it is to that. Um, and then Harry sort of just slotted in after someone else was was leaving and then it just yeah went from there really we went down to a three piece and that was you know the rest of history and did you guys have much overlap then in terms of the music you were listening to or did you, did you feel like everyone kind of brought uh, a different thing to it hmm that's a good question I, I feel like there is a quite a lot of overlap I think but I don't know whether that's like a new thing because I know especially like speaking to Harry's dad and stuff. A lot of my stuff growing up being like a singer songwriter is is in line with sort of Harry's dad. So therefore Harry sort of would also have those, those influences growing up. Mm-hmm. Like, Dan, you were a lot, a lot more into metal, weren't you growing up as like a teen? Yeah. More metal. More probably my guitar stuff's more influenced by sort of John Mayer. John Mayer, the sort of Christian music scene, which is like very atmospheric, he lots of delay and reverb. And um yeah. And Ollie just made me listen to a bunch of his music while I listen while I lived with him. So <laughs> yeah, that, ended that up, was like we spent like, up, like, like oh, I just downloaded like a million songs onto his Spotify. I was like, listen he, to he, it. He'd he just come and come inside my room and just like a bunch of albums. Yeah. I'm still working for a lot of them now, but it's good. So when you guys started like uh, gigging then for the first time, I mean like actually like in the Bristol scene, how how did you find the reception then? And um, just from being in BIM, did you kind of um, network? Did you get like connections, or was it still very much just like three outsiders kind of doing their thing? I, th- I think we definitely used connections at BIM. Like we got in as we got obviously like every band we started off, and we weren't that good. Um, well. Not good at all, yeah. When we first set off. Oh, I don't know. It wasn't that bad. Do you know what I mean? Obviously, that, 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 yeah, it was pretty. Uh, remember, we had to record like a set for one of your uh, modules, Ollie. Yeah. Uh, we did like a cover of uh, 99 Problems. Yeah. And that, looking back on that video, we have the best thing we've ever done. done. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know. that. Um, yeah, I don't know. I feel like. It's all part of the evolution, isn't it? That kind of thing. But we did use as we started to get better, and people started to know about us and and hear the name. Be like, oh, these guys are pretty good. I feel like then you start making connections with 
people like staff and stuff are connected with industry people and so on so i think yeah it kind of all went hand in hand with them really and um, one thing i want to i was going to ask something else but i want to just say on this for a second what made you cover uh, jay-z oh it was uh for my like songwriter module for that they had to do like a gig the like originals had to do one cover from like a list of covers they give you okay that was one of them and i was like that's gonna be the one to make the most rock sounding yes pick that one but it was just you know it was like really long instrumental breaks and stuff it's just like kind of not very good (laughs) yeah i mean i enjoyed it but i don't know how good it was that's kind of cool like the idea of taking like you know very atypical songs and and kind of like stuff that's like not that you wouldn't associate with the kind of music you guys are doing and just kind of yeah. like um, doing, oh, but that's still something you guys are kind of interested in in terms of like, if you were to do covers, kind of um, do stuff that like would be kind of unexpected. Well, funnily enough, we're actually doing a 50th anniversary Sparks album that's coming out, uh, okay. comes out in May next year. We've got to record it this month and each band has a song from that album. So we've got to do uh, Hasta Mañana Monsieur, which is quite a challenge because it's very off the wall tune yeah but i think yeah i think i've got some ideas for it so so yeah we're literally doing that right now okay how'd how'd you get involved with that um it's with pale wizard records reached out to us on email and just said do you guys want to be on it because they had been listening to a lot of our stuff and yeah yeah so then one aspect of your music I, I do want to talk about is uh, the kind of cinematic aspect. I mean, your new uh, EP is called uh, Death Proof. And I mean, automatically when you hear that, you think of like the, the Tarantino film. Yeah. Um, like when I watched the music video to, um, to Backseat Therapy, I mean, it was like, you know, clearly inspired by the beginning of uh, Goodfellas. So yeah, yeah, I was wondering how much you think like cinema kind of plays into your music. Um, yeah. Well, I think, yeah, all of the, I would say, I mean, my brother always had those conversations about how you consume TV and and films and things and sometimes you like people can think of it as a waste of time or whatever but it isn't if you're using it creatively it's not anyway because like if you're accessing that part of your brain that flows creatively it's always going to be good even if it's not a good outcome what you've created but mm. like using film to I do it quite a lot with songwriting and stuff especially lyrics and things so observational writing I think it's quite useful. And it's you can if you can see a, an image when you're writing a song, it's usually going to be a good song, I think. Yeah. And then for all of you, do you do you think there's much overlap in terms of the the pop culture you consume? Because like you know, it's kind of Tarantino, it's kind of uh, Scorsese, you know, yeah. it's it's um it's it's kind of a similar ilk, I guess. Um, yeah. Do you feel that there's much overlap then? Being Harry a bigger nerd than Ollie. Yeah. Sure. We <laughs> make Star Wars references and Ollie's like what? Um, <laughs> true, I do, I do, uh, I do always throw in Harry Potter references though. I will say, I'm pretty. Yeah, Ollie's a big Harry Potter fan. I am actually. Um, but I, I don't know. I, feel like I think there. Is, I think we all enjoy good films, good cinema. Oh yeah, definitely. There's. I think there is quite a few overlaps. Like um, in No Vegas Hotel, there's a, a sneak the Sopranos quote in. Okay. Uh, on steel jacketed antidepressant. That's a Sopranos quote. And there's a we've got a new song that we're, we're in the middle of recording loads of new tunes at the minute. Um, and the, one of the new songs references uh Stone Cold Steve Austin's finishing move. <laughs> uh, what, what lyrics that? Um, cold like the stunner in um, 
Blood Shark, is it? I think on the pre chorus. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> Looking at the EPs that you guys have released so far, I mean, there there seems to be kind of um, just in terms of the imagery, there seems to be kind of existing like um, space theme. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, I was wondering, do you think there's this like I, I think like a lot of your music has this kind of like very epic connotation to it. Uh, yeah, I was wondering if maybe you could talk a little bit about that in terms of the imagery that you guys are trying to um, uh, invoke. Yeah, Dan, you want that one? Imagery you're trying to invoke. Uh, that's a good question. Um, I've never really thought about that. It's just kind of the, uh, I think the artworks we've always gone down the surreal route with them. Yeah. And we've kind of just stuck to it, really. We're kind of like, we're trying to make every artwork now kind of like in the same vein. Yeah. So they yeah. all kind of match up and they've all kind of related to, they've got a lot of space in them. And the artwork. It's, it's kind of like like cosmic nostalgia, I guess. It's like we 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 put a lot of like stuff like Tarantino and yeah, um, stuff like that, but mixed with I don't know that sort of epicness you were talking about of ethereal. They're almost stuff. like they're almost like psychedelic artworks yeah. in a way, but it's like not on purpose. I don't know why that always turns out that way, but they end up looking. Well, it's like well, it is the surreal thing, isn't it? It's it's stuff you recognise, but it's in a it's framed in an interesting way where it's not just like a normal image. Yeah. So I feel like it always manages. Like we spend a while making it match up to how the song feels when you listen to it. I think. Yeah. Like you, you should look at the artwork and go, oh, yeah, that makes sense. I think. So, from your perspective, I mean, atmosphere is is kind of a big um, uh, goal. Is something you're trying to achieve, or something you're uh, conscious of? Yeah, I think so, definitely. Yeah. So when it kind of comes to working as a as a three piece, then do you ever find there are limitations? I mean, obviously, when you're um, in the studio, you have as much kind of like liberty to to sort of uh, mess around and and to kind of add layers and and to get like, basically any sound you want. But when it kind of comes to to doing it in a live setting, do you do you find do you put any kind of like limitations when it comes to recording? Where you go, okay, if we can't play it live, we're not recording it, or do you kind of just go like, no, what whatever works, and then we'll figure it out later. I feel like we're pretty good at, at making it sound as studio ified as possible live, even with the three of us, especially with like we've we've been using sample pads recently and things for like little bits at the end of songs and like like at when uh, when the beaches bleed, there's like that piano bit at the end, we've got that triggered and things like that. But I feel like I think we, like we will start using more things, maybe synths and stuff live, but when like it comes down to it, I mean, we just have to do what we have to do for, say, a festival or whatever. Yeah, I think we do quite a good job of, you know, doing it. Yeah, and then uh, it's been about a year actually since uh, between, sorry, no uh, vacancy hotel and Deproof the two EPs. How do you think the the music has kind of grown in that time? Uh, I think massively. Like, if you look at, especially personally, from a song point point of view, I feel like. My writings come on way more than that first EP. Even though like people obviously still love the first tunes, like we often, I don't know. It's a weird one. So there'll be songs we haven't played in ages, like from the first EP, or whatever. And sometimes we'll be like, "Oh, we don't want to play that," and then we'll rehearse it and be like, "Oh, actually, you know, that's pretty cool. We should, you know, we shouldn't hate that so much." Um, but yeah, I feel like writing-wise, it seemed to be getting better and better, personally. Uh, 
comes to playing those kind of older songs, you try and uh, adapt them, I guess, to, to your new sound or your new movement. Are you kind of happy to let them be a time capsule of, of the band as it was then? Yeah, I feel like it's I feel like it's kind of cool to leave them how they were because people know that sound and stuff. And I feel like, especially fans of like indie and rock and things like that, are quite fickle with people changing stuff too much. And I know I'm like it myself. Like if an, if you like a band and they do a weird song on the next album, you can't like oh why don't you just do like their old stuff. But I don't know. We we try to keep it pretty much in line. I think. Uh, one final thing I'd like to ask you guys is actually about um, kind of your, your reception internationally. I mean, I know you guys got uh, really big in the Netherlands in particular. Uh, I think you were also doing some stuff in Estonia, if I'm correct. Um, yeah, how do you feel, find like when, you know, your music kind of reaches uh, markets that you probably weren't expecting? Is that me? Am I good? <laughs> it's open to all. <laughs> <laughs> It's, 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 I, I think it's pretty, you go on it, you go. Yeah, I'm going to stir something. I'll, I'll go, I'll go. Harry, you go. We're, we're going to all go. I think it's we'll, better. We'll all go at the same time. time. Yeah, okay. We'll talk over each other. That'll be a good ending. Um, no, it's just, it's just, yeah, like the, the Dutch number one thing was just crazy, like kind of out of nowhere. Um, and I don't like, even know how it happened as well. But just how like, well, I, th- I don't know. I don't even know. But it was pretty surreal seeing our name above the killers on a chart. Yeah, and like news and stuff. That was crazy. But like, I mean, it wasn't for very long, but it's still pretty cool. Yeah, <laughs> long enough. Um, but the Estonia thing was just like, that was probably one of our coolest gigs to date, I think. Like, the whole weekend was just mental. Like, getting there, having about one hour sleep every night, getting up early, travelling, rushing to get the ferry, the train and all that, the tram, and then getting there and being like, oh, we run at 11pm. Yeah. And then being like, oh, it, the people are going to show up and see us. And then it was like a packed out room, like queuing out the door, people watching us from the window. And like people had come and actually like fans of us that come to see us and everything. It was just crazy. Um, yeah, it's just really cool. Um, have you guys done much uh, international um, gigs or like, is there any particular festivals or places you'd like to play if given the opportunity? We were thinking um, next year, maybe trying to, play Tallinn again and maybe do a couple of Netherlands dates or and maybe like some German dates as well would be cool. Because um, we, we met, we supported a band called the Soap Girls who are really big in the US and Japan actually. They do a lot of gigs in Germany and their manager told us try and get out to Germany because it's really cool. Yeah. So maybe that would be a cool place to try and go. Yeah, it's like the big like European market, isn't it? The, yeah. the German market. So yeah, if you can break there, <laughs> you're doing well. Um, yeah, I think I've asked everything I have to ask. Is there anything you'd like to wrap up before we end? Is there anything you'd like to plug or anything? Um, the new EP that's out that you spoke about. Yep. Uh, it's not yeah. so anymore. It's a few months old now, but still going. The new video has just come out for Backseat Therapy, as you mentioned. Yeah. Um, but pretty much we've got a couple of gigs coming up in December. Um, playing at Thekla with False Heads, which will be really cool. In Bristol and then one that's not announced yet. And that'll be, I think, gig-wise, it for this year now. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, just working on new tunes. So you plan for next year to um, release new tunes and to uh, yeah. play more shows? Yeah, there'll be a bigger body of work. There's something cooking, so... Okay. <laughs> Your ears open. Perfect. Oh.
Sorry, I did have one more question to ask actually just for uh, leave. Uh, yeah, uh, for your future releases, are you planning on continuing to self-release or are you eyeing up with a label or anything? Yeah, I think um, where we're at now and stuff, like now we're getting more tunes together and more things organised like that. I think we're going to start approaching labels soon. Um, okay. But, I mean, it's been good self-releasing, but it's nice to have that backing. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think we'll just yeah assess the options. So. Perfect. Thanks very much for your time. I really appreciate it. Thanks very much. Thanks for having us. Oh, thanks, man. Thank you, Thank you, mate. Bye. Bye. Uh, hold on a sec. Oh, hi. Hi. How are you? Good. How are you? Good. Uh, nice to talk to you. Sorry, I'm in my room instead of my office. <laughs> but it's the living room, and my uh, husband is playing video games <laughs> <laughs> that's perfect i won't take up too much of your time uh, i appreciate you talking with me but um yeah i just want to talk about uh, uh your new album with a smile um it kind of came out uh, earlier this month and um you know um you've had almost like a month with it i mean how's the kind of the reception been since then i think people really like it you know it's hard to get new music out there and if people actually listen to it um with the way that the internet is so oversaturated now yeah. it's so different than it used to be like in the good old days of warp tour but i feel like people who have listened have really taken the time to like sit down with the record and really appreciate it yeah and actually um when it came to making this uh, new record i believe like the opportunity kind of just like sort of came to you when someone um someone at iodine said you know would you be interested in making a full record at, at that time did you have uh the kind of idea of doing a full lp of kind of like you know uh, the songs for or was it kind of like or like which came first i guess what i'm saying like was it someone say asking you and then like you kind of coming up with the material or was it did you have the material then yeah. well i had you know i always <laughs> i always have material yeah. there is no shortage on that um the shortage is usually the budget so i was um planning to maybe I was thinking about what to do next after good at feeling bad like the pandemic was clearly um not as bad as it used to be and I was getting ready to like okay like things are opening back up let's figure out the next move of what we're gonna do and I see maybe we could just like do a single and release it because that would be really quick um and then do like a EP later because EPs are much more popular now at least I don't know I'm on TikTok all day <laughs> these are the thing and so I was thinking of doing that um obviously I always wanted to make a full length I just was thinking like oh the world is so different now do people still want full lengths from artists who aren't like Taylor Swift and Olivia Rodrigo mm -hmm. um but Iodine messaged me like pretty much right when I was starting to record like I was just going into the studio with my friend um because he reached out to me. I was like, hey, do you want to like book some studio time? I have like a weekend available um, that I want to fill. And I was like, yeah, you know what? Let me just try and make something. And I was actually, it was actually the last track of the album. And I was like, this is a weird single, um, but whatever. I mean, maybe I'll just release a ballad as a single. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> um, but then Iodine reached out to me and I was like, you know what? This is the last track. We're making an album. Yeah actually um 
if I'm correct, I know, um, for example, Best Sex actually came out of um, uh, Candy Hearts. So it's like you and some former members, but uh, and now is is Best Sex uh, is, is solo or, uh, solo actor? Yeah. So what happened was I really wanted it to be the same and all the guys were on board. And then it's just like, you know, we they got jobs and stuff when I was figuring out what we were going to do with the band. Um, one of them now has a baby. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I never grew up in that way. Um, yeah. And so I did a tour. They couldn't do the first tour that I had booked because um, it was so long. It was like a full US and it wasn't like the opportunity you would risk losing a job for. It was like, we're going to see if people show up to this thing. That's experimental. Like yeah. we've never toured this way before. And it just felt different. I was like, this is not, it's not the same. This is not the same. The songs feel different. The vibe is different. Everything just feels different. This feels like my solo project. So after that first tour, I was like, that's it. Like Candy Hearts will be Candy Hearts. And this <laughs> will be my solo project. <laughs> do, how do you find that kind of difference? I mean, like having kind of like full creative control versus actually um kind of negotiating with other band members upon like what to release and, and do you, you know, even something like track order or anything like that? Well, I think the thing was that there, it never, Candy Hearts was never, never functioned like that. Like everyone just looked towards me for the creative input. Um, and I had the say, like really the final say over everything. Of course, I, I've never been that kind of person where if someone is like, I hate this song, it makes me hate the song. Like I think about it and I'm like, oh, maybe it is bad. So we won't release it. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm positive that in Candy Hearts, if I was like, I'm sorry you hate this song, but we have to release it, everyone would be like, yeah, okay, whatever. Um, it was always like my call. So now as a solo project, it feels very much the same, um, especially because I asked the same people their opinions on things. Like even in Candy Hearts, I, I would ask people who weren't like band members their opinions. Now I'm asking my old band members what they think. I'm asking yeah. other people, what they, it's the same. <laughs> Actually, that's kind of interesting because when you kind of go from that sort of transition, I think from like the kind of pop punk of the Candy Hearts to uh, kind of more electronic kind of influence pop you're doing now, I mean, I think like that is kind of a big risk for people to take, but it can be very uh, rewarding as well, uh, too, like if that's kind of like the creative um, uh, path you want to go. I was wondering, Dan, do you find like now, because um, I think like whenever people transition to a new project and they kind of get like a bit of knock on from the previous project, like people kind of like from the old band want to check out what you're doing now. I was wondering now, do you find that um, there are still people who are kind of like hanging around from the old days or is it kind of like a newer audience that you're kind of garnering? I was really hoping people would stick around and I feel like a lot of people have, um, Obviously not everyone because it's a totally different genre, but there are fans in pop punk like me who have like a wide range of stuff that they listen to. Like, even though I would listen to things like Newfound Glory and Blink-182, I always also listen to stuff like, you know, Taylor Swift, Olivia Rodrigo, and also indie stuff like Phoebe Bridgers. Like, those are just the things that I like. And there are other fans out there who feel the same. Of course, there are the fans who are like, you know, my favorite band is the story so far and the lightest music I listened to was candy hearts. And this new stuff is terrible. Yeah. <laughs> um, so when I kind of came making your, your first record, I mean, obviously you were mentioning you already had like EPs since like about 2017. So I was wondering like, um, uh, 
what's her because actually i think when you look at you like your previous ep is like they're they're kind of just shy of being a full-length album each they're like six songs that are about 20 minutes um so i was wondering like do you um what's there like a lot of kind of like i don't know like okay this is going to be the debut album there's like a lot of like you know consideration for or was it kind of just we're just going to make it a full length of the music we've kind of already been doing i feel like had my eps been full lengths which if i had the budget they would have been would have been that way of like we're just gonna make any ep of the songs that or or an lp of the songs that we have and definitely with candy hearts that is how i thought i was like okay it's time for an album what songs do we have where are spots that feel uh like something's missing and not well-rounded and how can i fill that out um so there wasn't as much foresight and like a full body of work and I think that's like really indicative of like how our like modern music kind of is made where like you go into a studio you record one song like then you record go in the studio record another and people are all releasing singles and then they're like you know what now I have enough I'll just make it an album um but this was kind of different I mean to an extent there were songs that I added to the album that I had previously recorded but I made like a conscious decision to re-record them mm-hmm. and um I think I thought about this a lot more as a body of work with like a voice of like some message of something I wanted to say specifically when it comes to like visuals and artwork I think during the pandemic I really started consuming more video content online as a lot of people did. Um, And it really made me think a lot about how something looks, how it sounds and how it feels um, more than I think I have in the past where it was like, okay, here are all these songs that we have. What would look cool on the cover? Yeah. And actually, um, I, I find when I talk to artists, like there's there's sort of a, a divide. There's some people who like really love being involved in kind of like the um the stuff outside the music. So for example, the music videos are the, the album art you're saying. And there's other people who are like, I can't stand it. I just want to make the music and kind of let other artistic people like directors come in or, or artists come in and kind of let them have dictation over that side. Um just generally, I mean, I guess like um how much like involvement in in those kind of aspects of, of your music do you enjoy? Um and like, has it evolved? Has it always kind of been at the same level of enjoyment? I think I've always been like a hyper control freak over like creative vision. Um, not in a way where like I hire a professional and they tell me their idea and I'm like, no, like usually I hire people who understand what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. And so we're totally aligned. Like I haven't really had any sort of clash actually, which makes me actually think is <laughs> pretty lucky um but I I do I really enjoy being part of all of it I really like usually go into something with a vision or an idea like I don't go and hire someone um without really having anything to give them um because I just I don't know I just am not that I just am not like that I usually just have ideas um I know with Candy Hearts, it it was a little bit different where even though I had those ideas, it was more like everyone set up things for me. So it was more like, okay, this day you're filming a music video. And I'm like, what? Oh, I hadn't even thought about that. But because I'm so in control 
of like what I'm doing. It's like, oh, I have this idea for a music video. Let me hire someone and see maybe they have a better idea, which sometimes they do. Um, but I am pretty in control. And especially I've been like directing my own music videos um, as well. So <laughs> um, do you like, because I, I know you work for like, uh, sorry, work with producers and such. So uh, would that be another aspect of, of kind of music you'd be interested in some production? Because I, I think like um, there's a real sense of like, uh, when I'm talking to like artists who get into production, there's uh, this kind of sense of like, you know, freedom that comes with that in the sense that, um, I don't know, like, I think people see the two as kind of detached, like they see like production and mixing as kind of being um, the technical uh, side of things where it's like, you know, I think when you when you look at it, a lot of artists who are in in production kind of like see it as an extension of the um, of the creative process in the way that like songwriting is or coming up with chords, are, you know? Yeah. So um, I think production is like what makes or breaks a song obviously you need like a good melody and stuff but mm -hmm. so much of how your song is consumed and the feeling that you get comes from the production and that's something that's really really important to me I definitely took some production classes in college right now I'm working on teaching myself how to do vocal production um, but it's just not like the technical aspect of it is not something that I know how to do like I don't know I know how I want something to sound but I don't know what buttons I need to press to make it sound that way. Yeah. Um, so I've definitely worked with producers who are really open in sort of co-producing things where I can tell them exactly how I want it to sound. Because when I write a song, I hear all of it in my head. I hear the production in my head. I hear the whole finished song in my head and how it should sound. And I usually need someone to help me take it there. And that's not to say that producers haven't, I haven't showed them a skeleton of a song and they've been like, oh, this is actually what I hear and it's different than like my vision, but I'm like, you know what? That's better. So yeah. let's go with that. <laughs> so that's kind of the cool thing. So like, um, you know, it is kind of like in a way that like, you know, building a song with a different band member, for example, is kind of like um, part of the creative process. I mean, I think like actually working with a producer is too. And and like, I think it, it kind of goes uncredited how, how kind of significant the the relationship between an artist and the producer really is in, in terms of like, um elevating the music to something else you know it's so significant and I would always work with another producer like the reason I'm trying not to now is because it's just so expensive and right. I think it, there there are aspects where it's like I was in the studio and I need to re-record a vocal line because I don't like it why do I have to go like down the, like down the road and schedule a time when I could, it would take me five minutes to do it at home. So yeah. that's why I'm learning how to produce stuff. But I think that people who write and produce their own work are a little bit, I mean, people who don't have band members, like solo artists, they're doing themselves a disservice a little bit because I think it's important to not be stuck in your own head and get other people's input on things. Um, I know some producers call it demoitis where like a band makes a demo and they can't hear it any other way, even though that's not the best way to do it, or it sounds kind of weird. Yeah. Um, you don't want to get stuck in that. You want to have input. <laughs> yeah. Um, one final thing I'd like to ask is, um, I think like we were talking earlier with the, like Candy Hearts and Best X, so you can kind of hear um, sonically, musically how different it is. But I was wondering from your perspective as a songwriter, I mean, how... Uh, how different is writing a Best X song versus writing, say, a Candy Heart song? You know, not different at all. It yeah. 
it, it wasn't really different at all. Um, I think with Candy Hearts, like it, it all start, it all starts the same way of me with my guitar writing, you know, just a, a demo, like a, a voice memo demo of me playing the song acoustically. And every Candy Hearts song has started that way of just me and an acoustic guitar. Um, and then we really shape it in the studio and in Candy Hearts, it was kind of different because we were working in a studio in Los Angeles in between tours and things. And we only with with a producer who was touring and also booked and busy. So we had a very limited amount of time where it was like, you're going to write your entire album and then you're going to go for three weeks and record it. And I know a lot of people do that. And I love that. Um, but with Best X, I worked with someone locally and I was able to instead of have a whole album ready to be like, you know what, I'm ready to go and record this song or two songs or whatever. Um, and it allowed us to choose different sounds in a way, because with Candy Hearts, we would have all the songs and then we would do all of the drum sounds one day. We would just record all of the drums and then the next day we would record all of the guitars. And that's really a big thing to have like a cohesive sounding album. Um, but with Best X, I was able to choose the sounds individually by the songs where it's like halfway through I'm, I might have been like you know what I heard actually a, a sound that I like better um than what we've been using like let's add that here instead of kind of the other way I think it just allows more versatility yeah to do it that way well I think it's really cool actually because you're talking about versatility is that like um you know you're on uh, iodine records in, in the states over here it's uh, alcopop and like they're kind of like known both labels are kind of known for kind of like noisy punk music but I think it's like so cool that like you know um every kind of like record label I've noticed this with a few like um artists I've been talking to have been on kind of like labels that seem kind of atypical for the music they're releasing but um it does seem like there's kind of a, an opening uh sorry an opening to um uh, people kind of like not being as kind of like rigid in their in their music taste and I think you're seeing that throughout I don't know if that's something you've experienced like maybe um playing the punkers who are kind of like interested in what you're doing yeah I have experienced that and I think that the thing that's unique about those two labels and and also was similar with my with Candy Hearts's old label Bridge Nine where we were by far the one of the poppiest bands on it mm -hmm. um is that with alternative music, people are more interested in who you are as a person, your ethos, your values, um, and your perspective. And those things for my project specifically, for who I am specifically, just align with a lot of DIY punk bands. Like our values are the same. Our perspectives are very similar. And I think that's how I've connected with these labels and fans and I've sort of found my place within them, even though it doesn't sound exactly similar. Those people are my people. Yeah, that's perfect. I've asked everything I have to ask. Is there anything you'd uh, like to add before we wrap up and just generally if there's any like future plans or anything you'd like to add? No, I don't think so. We have like a show plan, but it's not, it's not <laughs> where near the UK right now. I'm working on that, but. Perfect. Um, yeah, I don't think so. I just want people to listen to my album. Like, <laughs> I want people to stream it. I want them to add it to playlists. And I want them to, like, show people that they know. That's the most important thing. <laughs> because Perfect. I can't exist in a vacuum. I want people to, like, hear my album. <laughs> 
Well, I'm sure lots of people will, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks very much for your time. I really appreciate it. And uh, no problem. Great Thank rest you. of your day. You too. Thank you very much. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to that episode of postburnout.com interviews. We hope you enjoyed and stay tuned for more.